Welcome to People's Church. Before we get to this week's message with Pastor Tom Murray, we want you to know that you matter to your Heavenly Father and you matter to us. People's Church is a multi-generational faith community in Salem, committed to knowing Christ and making Him known. Sunday morning worship services at our Salem campus are at 8.30, 10, and 11.30. Watch messages anytime and plan your visit at peopleschurch.com. We pray this practical biblical teaching is encouraging, challenging, and possibly even life-changing. Let's look at the word together this morning. If you have your Bible or open up, if you have your Bible on your app, I encourage you to get that ready in just a minute. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 3, but I need just a little bit of runway to get there first. There are people who are on the outside of Christianity looking in at Christians or looking at Christians, and there are things that Christians do that do not make sense to them. In fact, maybe you're a visitor today. We're glad you're here. We open our arms to people of all different backgrounds and walks of life. We believe that God has something to speak to your heart today. Maybe you are there today. You look at some of the things that Christians do, and it does not make sense to you. I want to give you some examples. I want to give you some examples, but I don't want us to get stuck on the what. Because uh, sometimes there are people who do things in the name of Christ that we don't agree with. The... uh, the title or the, or, or the label Christian, it covers a lot of different walks, a lot of different journeys, and sometimes somebody does something in the name of Christ, I'm like, I'm not, I don't agree with this. I want to give you some examples, and even if you don't necessarily agree with the example that I'm sharing, I don't want us to get stuck on the what, but I want us to think about the why, and, and the why being, being when people on the outside sometimes look at what Christians are doing, or the stands that they're taking, or the positions that they're taking, it does not make sense to the world around us. For example, a politician in Finland, uh, on a radio talk show and on Twitter, and in a pamphlet that she wrote, she talked about the biblical definition of marriage. And do you know that they want to put her in jail? They're prosecuting her. There is a former Muslim woman who likes to go to a park in the city of London, England, and preach the gospel. Where she goes to speak is actually called Speaker's Corner. It's famous for being a place where anyone is supposed to be able to come there and speak about whatever they want. Well, she goes to that place, preaches the gospel, and some people stabbed her and injured her because she was preaching the gospel. A Canadian pastor He says that he spent a week in solitary confinement after being arrested for keeping his church doors open during the pandemic. The owners of a bakery right here in Oregon fined and forced into public scrutiny for refusing to prepare a wedding cake that they say violated their Christian beliefs. And fairly recently, an NHL hockey player uh, during a game, before the game, they were going to have a pregame skate wearing special jerseys, celebrating Pride Night at that hockey game, and he refused to participate because of his Christian faith. Again, don't get stuck on the what, but the why. People on the outside look at this and say, why would people do that in the name of their faith? Why would, they be, why would people be willing to, to face prosecution? 
for their faith? Why would people be willing to be thrown in prison because of their faith? Why would people who live otherwise private lives be willing to be thrust into the public spotlight in the name of their faith? Wouldn't it just be easier to stay silent? Wouldn't it just be easier to go along and live your faith privately? Wouldn't it just be simpler to avoid the controversy. There are some who are on the outside looking in saying your positions are so out of touch with culture. Why don't you just hold your beliefs but hold them quietly? Why are you willing to stand up in the way that you have stood up? So today what we're gonna look at will bring understanding of why people, our faith, stand out, are put out, are called out, are persecuted, prosecuted, and sometimes even put to death for their faith. This is where we begin our message series, God the Father. God the Father. God is so infinite, so huge, that he's beyond our comprehension, beyond being explained by words. Yet God cares for us so much that he reveals himself to us in ways that are easier for us to grasp. And we know this is the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the opening lines of John's gospel account, John gives us this description of Christ followers and their relationship to God. The relationship between Christ followers and God the Father. Listen to this, John chapter 1, verse 12. I know some of you have your finger on Daniel chapter 3. We're going to get there in just a moment. First, just look with me briefly at John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who did receive him, that's Jesus, to all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, He gave the right to become children of God. The way our Heavenly Father wants us to understand our relationship to him through Jesus Christ is that of a father to his children. And this relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ to become children of God, not just available for some, John says, to all who did receive him. It's available for all who receive him, to all who believe in his name. Now we know John is the author of one of the four accounts that we have of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We also know John is the author of the last book in our Bible, Revelation. And John also wrote three letters that we have preserved for us in our Bible, and they're called... First, second, and third John. In one of these letters, John talks about this relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father as children of God, and he writes about how this relationship, even though we might say as followers of Christ, this means everything to us. We might say this is the most important relationship we've ever had. John writes, even though that's how a follower of Christ may feel, There are people who are observing your life that they will not get it. Look at this, 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Listen to this. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So you have a relationship, if you are a follower of Christ, That can mean everything to you. And yet to the world around you, it doesn't make sense. It's understandable that those on the outside looking in may not get this relationship between God the Father and the children of God. But here's what is 
understood, almost universally understood, even though the relationship between God the Father and the children of God may not make sense, what the world does understand is the concept of parenting. The world does understand the concept of fatherhood. You may not have had a great human dad. Maybe you had no relationship with your dad, but even if that's troubled or non-existent, there's a universal understanding of what a relationship with a good father is supposed to look like. Loving, affectionate, a father who is patient, a provider, a protector, a source of wisdom, consistent, constant, and reliable. What's true about earthly dads, human dads, what's true about us and our love or our lack of love for our children is that our our parenting, our love for our children is revealed through our interactions with them over time. That's how our love is revealed, dads. The love of a father is revealed through his interactions with his children. It's one thing to say that we love our kids, but our love for our kids, the way the evidence of the love that we have for our children is revealed through our interactions with our children over time. So the love of our heavenly father is revealed to the world through his interactions with his children over time. Now, can I just have, if you're, a, if you're a dad, just raise your hand right now. Dad's in the house. We're in the club. Love you, dads. Being dads is a good thing. Put your hands down. So uh, we are trying to figure this out as we go along, right? We are parenting and learning to parent at the same time. We're parenting while we're also trying to figure out parenting. It, that's not how it is with God, God is not trying to figure this out as he goes along. He already has it all figured out. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we read about, when we read about how God interacted with his children centuries or thousands of years ago, it's the same God. It's the same God, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those of us who are earthly dads, if we're privileged, we and raising kids to teenagers, to young adults and adult children. If we're blessed, if we're lucky, we get to have a few decades with our, our children. And so our, our parenting is measured by a few decades, our children. Our Heavenly Father, we don't just have decades of records, not even hundreds of years of records. We have millennia, we have thousands of years of records of how God the Father has interacted with his children. So this week, and over the next four weeks, we're going to look at interactions between God the Father and his children that will help us understand his character and his care. Today, we're going to look at a historical event that if this were to happen today, it would totally blow up on social media. It'd be crazy. Everyone would have a comment. Everyone would have an opinion. It'd be divisive and controversial and all those good things that social media is good for. <laughs> You know, I've been fasting, uh, Facebook. if you're my Facebook friend, you're like, why hasn't that dude posted? I have not posted on Facebook for like two months, and it actually has been really, really good. I'm just going to say, fasting Facebook. Uh, today, we're looking at this event that if it were to happen today, it would blow up on social media. Daniel chapter 3, you're wondering if we'd get there, we're there now. 600 years before Jesus is born, many of God's people are conquered and they are taken by force to Babylon and they are living as, living as foreign exiles in Babylon. They are considered there a less than social class 
But there are a few select Jewish people who were elevated to high influential positions of authority in this powerful nation, Babylon. We know them as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were promoted to high positions. Now think about this, even today, even today when it comes to government, it is extremely rare for a foreigner to be raised to a high position of influence and authority in a foreign government. Very rarely are foreigners elevated to high positions in government. It's almost always nationals, people of that nation. So here are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego elevated to extremely high positions of authority and influence in a foreign government, rare even today. At the beginning of their time, the king is King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, everyone say Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, fun name to say, funny name, not a fun guy. Not a fun guy, wicked man, evil man, self-centered man, believes that the world revolves around him, and in many ways it did. So uh, the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he builds a statue idol. We don't know a lot about what this looks like. What we do know is that it was gold, and it was 90 feet wide and 90 feet tall. It's huge. And at least one of the purposes, maybe even the main purpose, that the king goes through this whole effort of having this giant gold statue idol built One of the main reasons that he has this built is for the purpose of testing the loyalty of the people of his kingdom. The king goes through this huge effort to have this giant idol statue built, and one of the main purposes is to test the loyalty of the most influential people in his kingdom. So I don't know how he did it. He sends out a text blast, sends out a Facebook invite, and says, you're invited, but it's not really optional. It's required uh, that you come to this event, not an optional meeting, a required meeting that you're there. And all the influential people are are called to the capital city. Uh, The influencers, the authorities, the culture setters are all called to the capital city to the dedication of the king's new statue. And so there they are. Standing in front of the statue, Daniel chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Instructions are pretty simple. When the band plays, you bow down and you worship the statue. Please, do this out of your love, your affection, and your admiration of the king. And by the way, if you don't, it's the death penalty by burning fiery furnace. Now, (laughs) the fact that they even have a human-sized furnace for this purpose is really messed up. So what happens, the band plays the song, everyone hears the song, everyone, they fall down in worship. Everyone except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They remain standing. Now, however they had it set up, maybe there was just so many people there that the king couldn't see. Uh, The king doesn't realize right away that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have not bowed down and worshiped the statue. 
But thankfully, there are some people who really don't like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They have a big problem that these foreigners have high positions in their government. They think that those positions should be for Babylonians, not the Jewish foreigners. So thankfully, some people are keeping an eye on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like they're bowing down to the statue, but out of the corner of their eye, they're watching what these three are doing, and these three do not bow down. So these three are faithful to scurry over to the king and say, King, we have something to tell you. Remember, remember King, remember how you said that when the music plays that we're all supposed to bow down and worship the statue? Well, these three did not. So the king calls them over and uh, it's reported these Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down and worship the idol statue. The king says, is this true? They say, yes, it's true. And initially, it appears that the king is actually giving them the benefit of the doubt. Like, okay, well, maybe there was a language barrier Maybe you didn't understand the instructions. So here's what we'll do. We'll go ahead and cue the band again, and just so we're all clear, let us know if you need help with the translation. Just so you're clear, uh, when they play the music, this is what you do. You bow down, meaning like you get down on your knees, and you uh, worship the statue. Okay, do you understand? All right, we'll get the band ready. Are you ready? Let's do this one more time. We'll play this song again. Let's get ready for the music. Daniel chapter three, verse 16 and 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, those are golden words right there, but if not, even if he doesn't, even if the Lord doesn't, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So King, the problem is not that we have not heard the instructions clearly. We, we heard the instructions. And like everyone else, we heard the band. We just choose not to. We just choose not to because there's a line that we've drawn. In the line that we've drawn, even though we serve in influential positions of your government, the line that we've drawn is that we refuse to serve or worship a false god. That means you die. That means death penalty by fiery furnace. This is, a, this is incredible. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are willing to give up their positions, their influence, their authority, their reputation, even their lives, even their lives. What they demonstrate is that trust in the Lord is not dependent upon the outcome of the situation. Trust in the Lord is not dependent on the outcome of the situation. They have said to the king, we're not sure what the outcome of this situation will be. The God who we worship, we are fully confident that he is able to rescue us from however this fire thing might go. He is fully capable of rescuing us from this fire, but even if he doesn't, our choice is going to be to honor him and not to worship a false god. The faith precedes the fire. Faith precedes the fire. Maybe you're in a place today where you're asking, God, why have you brought me to this? Lord, I feel like I'm in a season of my life where I'm, I am serving you like I've never served you before, and yet it seems like, it appears like the reward that I'm getting from going all in from you actually looks more like punishment than a reward. What's going on, Lord? 
we don't always know the why. We don't always get to see God's ways. If we knew all the whys and the ways, then it wouldn't be faith. We rarely, actually probably never get to see the full scope of why God does certain things at certain times in certain ways. We don't always understand the whys. We do not always understand his hand, but we trust his heart. We don't understand the whys, but we understand his heart. We trust his heart. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's really mad. <laughs> like, really, really mad. Um, talk about offending someone. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have just denied the instructions of the king, not just in front of the king, which would be offensive on its own. They have stood up the instructions of the king. Who's there? Who is at the dedication ceremony? Everybody, anyone who's everyone, all the most influential people in the kingdom, the authorities, the culture setters, the king has just been stood up in front of the most important people in the most powerful nation of the world. The king is mad, furious. Turn on that fiery furnace and don't just turn it on. Don't just turn it on twice as hot, three times as hot, four, turn it up seven times as hot. This is not going to be pretty for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. King Nebuchadnezzar is angry that there has been a refusal to bow down to the statue. Today, fast forward to today, it makes some people really, really angry when followers of Christ are, don't just go along to get along. It makes people upset sometimes when Christ's followers say, I'm not going to do this because of my relationship with my heavenly father. So here we are, thousands of years earlier, King Nebuchadnezzar is really mad. It's a real situation, real moment in history, real fire, real threat of death. This real fire helps us understand more broadly God's care for his people when God's people, God's children, face difficulty, threats, hardship. Especially as a result of refusing to abandon our faith in our Heavenly Father. Isaiah writes, when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. Just so it's on the record, in case someone rewinds the video to take a look, I am not encouraging you to actually go out to find a fire and walk like through a fire. <laughs> the fire may find you, but please don't go seeking the fire. This fire is so hot, this fire is so hot that some of the soldiers and guards who are tasked with putting Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire, they are burned to death as they put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. So there the three Jewish men go into the fire. King Nebuchadnezzar is observing all this. He is, he is fiery mad. He's really mad. And he's watching Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go into the fire. Some of his own guards and soldiers die putting them in the fire. He doesn't even care. He just wants to see these guys burn for how much they have humiliated and embarrassed him. And he's looking in the fire, and something changes. It's like, yes, people are looking in the fire, but everyone is really watching King Nebuchadnezzar's face. They want to see how King Nebuchadnezzar reacts as he watches these three men go through the death penalty by fiery furnace. So the king is looking in the fire, and then something changes on his face. He can't believe what he's seeing. He's amazed. He's astonished. And it's like he shouts out, didn't we put three in the fire? How many did we put in there? Three. Did we put three in the fire? 
Look at verse 25. He answered and said, but I see four men. The king says, I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar, you have to remember that he lives in like this multi-god, many gods mindset. So don't get thrown off when he says son of the gods because that's his mindset. He doesn't have our mindset. He has the mindset of multiple gods. And he says, what I see in there though is divine. King Nebuchadnezzar, multiple gods. Every nation has a god. He thinks that he might be a god. He, they would say, well, my god, I won the war. So my god is bigger than your god. He's not thinking Christian Trinity, but he clearly sees what is happening here is not natural. What's happening here is supernatural. And the king, the king is convinced he sees God in the fire. And something about what appears to the king is like, this is the son. This is the son of God. Now you and I in 2023 reading this as followers of Christ, we see this through the lens and we know that there is not many gods. There is one true God and there is one son of one God, the father, and that one son is Jesus Christ. It's obvious to the king that God is with them. When you and I, when we go through the fire, when we go through the hardship, when we go through the difficulty, may it be obvious to those who are around us that God is with us. May the way that we live through the fire and the difficulty and the challenges, may it be obvious to those who are around us that God is with us. So these authorities, these influencers, these culture setters, what happens or doesn't happen to Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, it's obvious. There's actually four ways that this account from Daniel tells us that it's obvious that something supernatural has happened in the fire. The first, the fire didn't have any power over them. Number two, their hair is not even singed. Number three, their clothes are not damaged. And number four, I don't know how spiritual this is, but this is actually my favorite. They don't even smell like fire. They don't even smell like fire. If you and I were to go out to a campfire and sit by the campfire for 20 seconds, we would smell like fire or our clothes would smell like fire for the next five years. These guys are in a fire that's so intense that it killed the men who put them in the fire. They come out, they don't even smell like a fire. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges that a great God has protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 29, therefore, the king says, therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their house is laid in ruins, and there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Now, I don't know if after going through all this that maybe Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a relationship where they could be a little more transparent with the king and say, like, King, we appreciate your heart in all this, but the whole like limb-tearing thing, maybe that's not necessary. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they don't avoid the fire. They didn't seek the fire, but they don't avoid the fire. In 2023... Some of us, we might, if we were honest, we might say we've been living trying to avoid the fire. We've been living trying to, trying to avoid the controversy. We've been living trying to avoid the difficulty. 
We can live our Christian lives always ducking and covering from controversy. If that's you today, God may be challenging you to stop avoiding the fire and trust that he'll be with you in the fire. God may be challenging you today to stop avoiding the fire and trust that if you go through whatever it is that the Lord is leading you through, that he will be with you in the fire. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, we're still talking about them today. Why? Because they honored God in an enemy culture. That's why we're still talking about them in 2023. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, we're still talking about them today because they said no, and the reason for their no was their faith. They chose the one true God over counterfeit God. We may not have 90-foot-tall golden idol statues in Salem, Oregon, but we certainly have counterfeit gods in our culture. We can certainly give importance, value, and belief to what is less than God. Possessions, power, influence, politics, all can be counterfeit gods. Success can be a counterfeit god. Maybe you've heard it described as the god of self, where I believe me is the center of the universe. I put me above everything else. That can be an idol. The woke movement in our culture for some has become a religion where the pursuit of social justice and political correctness overcompensates and becomes intolerance and division and cancel culture. Maybe as we gather today, you'd say that you are in an environment. You're in an environment, maybe it's your workplace, maybe it's your school. You're in an environment and there is part of what's happening wherever you are. There is part of what's happening that is clearly not of God and it's not from God. But perhaps like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have been placed on the inside to make a difference from the inside out. And that's happening. God may have placed you where you may be able to go to places that I can't go because you have the key card to go in and you are in meetings that I will never be in. You have an opportunity to change organizations from the inside out as a person of faith. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, perhaps you've been placed there for such a time like this. And here's where the tension comes in. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, there's these famous times when they said no. But they also said yes to a lot. Like, let's not forget, they served in influential positions in an enemy government. They served in influential positions, and their boss was a wicked king who did evil things. Yet they're there convinced that they can make a difference from the inside out. See, it's not always black and white. That's why we need the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit for when to speak up and when to say something. And here's where the tension comes for a lot of people. If you're part of an organization where something is happening in the organization and as a result of being there, you're just required to put up with it. It's there, but you're just required to put up with it. The tension moment comes when it crosses over from just being asked to put up with it to now you're being told that you have to promote it. Now you don't just have to put up with this, whatever it is, it's come to you and now you're supposed to say the line. You're supposed to stand up with the rest of the group. You're supposed to attend the whatever. And, and now you're not just asked to put up with it. Now you're, you're say, they're, they're saying, we need your face to promote this and be part of this. And that's this moment where we're like standing in front of the golden statue and what are we going to do? So the question we started off with today, why, why are Christians willing to stand out 
Why are Christians willing to be put out, called out, persecuted, prosecuted, or even put to death for their faith? Why, why, why? Why not just live your faith privately? Why not just stay silent? Why step into the controversy? Why go into the court cases, all these things? The true God's love is too great to compromise by worshiping a counterfeit. That's the reality. The true God's love, our true God's love, is too great to compromise. That's the why. It's too great to compromise by worshiping a counterfeit. Are there any Christians in the house today? God's love has been too good to you to turn your back on him. So... What what is his great love? What is God's great love that's not worth turning our back on? What is this great love? This great love is that, well, come on church, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why would we turn our back on that? In fact, that Bible verse goes on to say that is how God proves his love for us. Now faith, it's not just a set of beliefs. It is a set of beliefs, but it's not just a set of beliefs. Faith is an identity. Faith in Christ is an identity. Faith in Christ is not just one personal preference among many. It is our hope for eternity. To abandon Christ is to betray a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father who sent His Son to die for us. And so what's happening in the lives of these Christians when outsiders looking in say, it doesn't make sense why you're doing what you're doing. What these people are doing in that moment, and maybe this has been you, or maybe it will be you at some point, is, is, it, is making this statement, I am not willing to betray the God of my salvation. In fact, I'm willing, if the choice is to offend culture or dishonor the God of my salvation, I am willing to offend culture to honor the Lord of my salvation. (laughs) Why, Christian, why won't you just wear the shirt? Why won't you just put on the button? Why won't you just wear the patch? Why won't you just take the class? Why won't you stand up? Why won't you kneel down? Why won't you just say the line? Why won't you just keep quiet? How about if you just keep your faith to yourself? Why do you, why do you refuse to go to that place, cross the line? Could you just leave that part of the Bible out? Why do you refuse to close the doors? Why won't you just, come on, why won't you just bake the cake? If whatever it is means betraying the God who sent his son to give his life for your eternity, then the answer is no. And what has happened through history and what is happening today, followers of Christ who are choosing to honor the God of their salvation at the expense of offending the culture. Why? Because what God has done for you is greater than what anyone can do to you. God sent his son to give his life for your eternity. What God has done for you is greater than what anyone can do to you. In 2017, the Houston Astros played the Los Angeles Dodgers in the World Series. And if you're in Houston, if you're in Texas there, and you are an Astros fan, this is a huge deal. 
Everyone wants to go to the game. Every Astros fan wants to have tickets. And tickets are hard to come by. Everything is sold out. People are scouring the internet trying to find tickets that cost less than taking out a second mortgage on your home to go to a baseball game. And so this woman in Texas, she finds tickets on Craigslist. And the seller tells her, my company has tickets to the game and I've been given some tickets, but I cannot go, so I will sell you my tickets. Meet me at Minute Maid Park. Meet me at the baseball stadium. I will show you the tickets. You can examine them. She goes and she meets the seller at the baseball stadium. She even goes and, and she shows the tickets to an employee of the baseball stadium and says, these look exactly like our tickets. So she goes to the game with her father and with her son, three generations going to a World Series baseball game. And many of you already know where this is going. When the time comes, when they have that little um, scanner, they give the tickets, scan the tickets. They're invalid. They're fake. They're counterfeit. I mean, can you imagine the humiliation? The embarrassment? All the effort that to make your way to downtown Houston, to park your car for way too much money, to go with the flow of all the sold out crowd, everybody's going to the stadium, everyone's excited, everyone's wearing their jerseys, World Series baseball. By the way, Houston went on to win that World Series. Everyone is going to the game, everyone's excited. Everyone's ding, 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 ding. Everyone's just going ding, 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 ding. And you go to scan your ticket. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What you've just given us is not real. It's a counterfeit. It's a fake. You've been had. Can you imagine the humi humiliation when everyone else is going into the stadium? After you've brought your dad and your son You've told everybody on text, you've posted on social media, we're gonna be at the game. You have to turn around and walk against the crowd. Everyone else going into the game, you have to turn around, walk against the crowd, go back to your car and leave. It's devastating. It's devastating to find out when what you think is real is actually a fake, is actually a counterfeit. And some of us would say in our own lives, we have followed after, we have followed after someone or something that we thought was gonna be the source of fulfillment, that we thought was gonna be our purpose, that we thought was gonna be our hope. But what we found out is that whoever or whatever that is ultimately left us empty. And what we, what we would say now is that was a fake. It was a cheap substitute for the real thing for the one true God. Thankfully, we do not have to settle for a counterfeit imitation. We have the one true God. <laughs> and many of us will say we have experienced his rescue this side of eternity. We know him as healer. We know him as provider. We know him as protector. But even if he doesn't, he is our rescue for our eternity. And many of us would say it's actually in our darkest hours that we have experienced the deepest relationship with our Heavenly Father. 
Why? Because he will not leave us, he will not forsake us, and he promises, I'll be with you in the fire. We pray that this week's message has been practical, encouraging, and challenging. Let us know if you made a first-time commitment or recommitment to following Christ. Visit peopleschurch.com and click Connect to share your decision with us. There is great value in being a part of a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching faith community. If you are looking for a church home, Pastor Tom Murray invites you to People's Church in Salem. Sunday morning and evening worship services, group Bible studies, relevant engaging activities for kids and youth in safe, secure environments. Watch messages anytime or plan your visit at peopleschurch.com.